and welcome to season six, episode one of Capsule Production Podcast. Today, I'll be your host, Rachel Bohorquez, flying solo since our best buddies, Dr. Jovan Lazo and Dr. Sean Harris are currently in their residencies. So I'd like to kick off season six with a very, very special guest who is none other than Dr. Xavier Johnson, and we will be diving into his postgraduate life with three jobs. I mean, I have two jobs that I can barely manage, so we'll be learning his time management secrets in this really juicy episode. So how are you today, Dr. Johnson? I'm doing great. Very busy, very busy, but uh, I really do appreciate you taking the time out to interview me tonight and giving me the invitation. It's, it's a blessing to be here. Yay. Awesome. So um, our listeners don't know this, but since we've known each other since high school, I kind of know a little bit of your background, but would you mind just giving us a brief introduction to who you are and what you do? Yes, absolutely. So again, my name is Xavier Johnson, PharmD. Um, I actually graduated from the same high school as Rachel, um, 2014, Cocoa Beach Junior Senior High School. Um, I had the opportunity to attend Florida A&M on the highest of seven hills uh, in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, and again, that's also where I attended pharmacy school. Um, again, a little bit of a background. Um, FAMU actually has an accelerated pharmacy school program that's actually six years instead of the traditional eight-year program where you do four years undergraduate and then four years graduate. So you actually do a two-year feeder program, which is called pre-pharmacy, and then you go directly into the pharmacy school program. So I was able to complete that in six years, um, also because I had obtained my AA degree um, while I was in high school through uh, dual enrollment. Awesome. Actually, I think UF, I have a couple of colleagues um, that have done the UF version of that six-year program, and I think that's really cool. I kind of wish I knew about it before because I went the more traditional way of getting a bachelor's and then getting the PharmD, and it's, I was able to do my bachelor's in three years because at Cocoa Beach, we had IB, so I was able to get credits for like the first year and kind of knock out some of those prereqs. So, I mean, at least six to seven years isn't that bad, but I know people who have done the full eight years and that really even just saves a lot of money too with like, you know, um, community college being way cheaper. Like that's kind of what I'm telling people now too. It's like, get some of those prereqs out of the way with like community college or the AA, like it'll save you time, money. And it's just like helps overall if that's, if the pharmacy track is what you want to take. Absolutely. Especially with IB, because it doesn't, the credits don't always transfer with IB. And then if you don't score those high scores that you need to score fall in the IB track, then, you know, it, it can be kind of tit for tat, but you do get right. that college rigor and that college experience. So mm -hmm. if you're really looking to challenge yourself, the IB program is great. But if you're looking to secure credits and to push yourself further, you know, in the short term, it, it, you know, AA maybe or dual enrollment may be the way for you to go. So. Yeah, exactly. I know with like one of the classes I was in, it was like you score a four on the exam and it gives you like chem one. If you score a five, it gives you chem one and chem two. And I was like, how can one different point like give you a completely different set of classes? It was just insane. So exactly. And that that was the difference instead of you just sitting in a classroom and taking chem one and chem two and just passing that class outright. So you see what I'm right. saying? Yeah, yeah so. exactly. Yeah. So um, can you walk us through your pharmacy school journey and like what steps did you take that led you to the jobs that you have currently? Absolutely. So coming out of school, I actually wanted to pursue a residency. That was actually my first career path of choice. Um, but unfortunately, due to COVID, um, that was kind of derailed. I was, you know, getting ready for residency at that time. And I actually had to get one of my um, rotations postponed. Um, due to COVID. Um, I was actually at Advent Health Orlando, 
um, for four blocks out of my seven or eight blocks that we, you know, had to you know, obtain. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I was actually going to do my residency at was Advent Health Orlando. And um, because of COVID and um, a couple other reasons, they actually had to postpone my graduation to the summer. And, you know, based upon the rules that they have re residing over residencies, there was no exceptions that could really be made for a later start date at that time. Right. So that kind of really threw me into like a scramble, especially after graduating, um, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my career. At the time, I, you know, I refused to do retail, but now I'm actually being in retail. It's actually one of the best experiences that I've had in my life. I can actually say that I was wrong <laughs> in a way. So I'm, you know, I'm grateful that it happened the way that it did. And I ended up meeting the people that I did along the way. And I'm going to get into that a little bit um, as we answer some of the other questions. But I really wanted to touch base on, you know, where I started, you know, especially with residency and then coming all the way back to retail because, um, you know, there's managed care, there's ambulatory care. There's so many other different avenues of pharmacy. Um, and so, again, I'm going to talk about it further, but so many of my classmates have so many unique positions within the world of pharmacy that you're going to be like, wow, really? Like, he does this and she does that. And, you know, some one of my classmates works, works with the Olympic trial committee now. Um, they actually sit on the board for that and they actually test some of the athletes that are over in Tokyo. So wow. just some of the experiences that my classmates are having um, is absolutely amazing. Um, I don't know if you know about the um, CTFR receptor drugs for um, cyclic fibrosis with Vertex. No, I haven't heard about it. Okay, because they actually they ha had a couple of drugs that came through the pipeline, I think in 2019. Um, for that for that disease state and uh, one of my classmates was actually on their clinical trial committee um, wow. so yeah there's <laughs> there's a lot of great stuff happening um, over at FAMU and with our graduates so I'm really I'm really happy to be here and talk about it further yeah that's amazing I just it, it opens my eyes every time I hear like someone's like working for this and working for that especially being a student you're pretty just like you're almost like a newborn baby to everything. Like you don't know what's fully out there yet until you start hearing about it. So the more I hear about it, it just gets me more excited to like finding a future career of something really interesting myself. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So how has your experience been in each of your positions that you have now? So let's actually talk about all three. So retail is the first one. Let's, um, I work at Publix Pharmacy. I'm a full-time floater. Um, the other position I have is here where I'm at right now, which is uh, EMS or Enhanced Medication Solutions. And the third position I have, well, I actually had four at one time, but the third position I had, I have is uh, actually a certified pharmacology tutor and board certified tutor. So I tutor for the MPJE and the NAPLEX. And then I also do tutoring for pharmacology for nursing students. So that's what I do when I'm not at work. So let's start with the tutoring. So the tutoring, um, basically, they provide me with students who have struggled with the MPJE or NAPLEX, and I take them on. Now, these students, especially with the MPJE, can come from different states. I've helped students pass in Missouri, Texas, um, really all over the place, um, Missouri, Texas, Illinois, Florida, of course, um, mm -hmm. but um, just really helping students to understand and break down the law. Um, I actually failed the law my first attempt. Um, I got a 68. Um, and that was really scary, a scary moment because, you know, you never want to delay your entry into the workforce. Right. And um, that really that really was a pivotal mo moment in my life because I really cracked down on myself. I got an 82 the second time, which is 
high for the MPJE, very right. high, because most people don't get over 80. So you either get 73, 74, mm-hmm. or you, you hit it right on the head with the 75. So to get that 80 and above was really, you know, I was really proud of myself. And, you know, Varsity Tutors reached out to me, seeing my board scores, and they said, you know, we really want you to come on board and be a tutor and to help other students, you know, with their study process and how they're processing, because there's people that, you know, are on their last attempt or have taken it two, three, two or three times that are just, you know, really beat down, really frustrated. And I can really empathize with them as having to take the exam over again, um, because I know what that feels like. Right. Yeah. I mean, congratulations. That's really inspiring. And as a second year, going to be a third year student, our law class is coming up because that's how the curriculum for UF is. We take like an intro law class in our first year of spring, which is already horrible. And then we take it again in our fall of third year. And it's I've like heard tons of stories about it. I heard it's awful. I heard it's just super daunting to take the MPJE exam. So just that's just wow to hear that you scored like that high after and you're just really motivated to do well on it so Absolutely. I may be reaching out to you for a tutor <laughs> because so, I know law is not my strong suit personally either so yeah so the thing about the law is not really a question of smartness or your ability to you know retain information it's really about your just ability to adapt as an exam adapts to you because it is an adaptive exam, unlike the NAPLEX. The mm-hmm. NAPLEX used to be adaptive, but now it's no longer adaptive. So with the MPJE, it gets harder as you go along. So my my when I took it the first time, my downfall was I was seeing easier questions. So I felt like I was doing good, but really it's kind of reverse psychology with the MPJ. The harder that it gets, the better that you should feel as a test taker. Because the more you start seeing things that you're like, okay, what is this? I've never seen this before in my life. Or how do I, you know, what law am I actually applying? You know, then you know you're doing well. But when you start seeing really easy spoon feeder questions, that's when you know that you're not, you know, you're not scoring as high as as you need to. So that's something about the exam that most people will tell you that have, you know, taken the exam is that if you feel terrible coming out, you, you probably did well. Oh. Wow, that's like really interesting. And actually, I've never talked to anyone about the exam itself. So I feel like I'm getting like firsthand knowledge on it because I had no idea what the exam was like, but that's already really good to know. Yeah. And the format is very different than the NAPLEX because, again, you have those ranking and order questions. So, like one and two, one and three, one and five, or A, B, C, you know, so it's a lot of like ordinance or ranking questions. And those can be, you know, those can be very difficult. If, Super tricky. If you, yeah. Cause if you miss one, then the whole question's wrong. Right. So, yeah. So, so that's, that's that with MPJE and uh, varsity tutors uh, moving on to the other job that I'm currently at right now, it's um, enhanced medication solutions. So this is more of like a managed care um, MTM type type deal. So when you think about managed care, you're thinking about insurance, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you're thinking about MTMs, you're thinking about actually going into the patient profile, looking at drug interactions, making sure that you go through, make sure that they're adherent to their medications. Mm -hmm. So with this, we actually have a call center where about 50 pharmacists work. Um, We work with all sorts of health plans. So Aetna, Humana, um, Blue Cross Blue Shield. So we work with a lot of different insurance companies to actually contract to reach out to their members. So right now we're actually doing SUPD, so statin use and patients with diabetes. And we're actually doing MedRecs, so patients who have gotten discharged from the hospital. And we have 30 days to reach out to those patients to reconciliate or MedRec their medications to make sure that 
everybody in the loop. So us, you know, reaching out to them to make sure that we're talking with them about their medications, then faxing the providers to make sure that there's a closed loop between the health plan, the pharmacist, and then ultimately the patient to make sure everything is cohesive. So that's really what we do here at EMS is that we, you know, we make sure that we're partnered with health plans and we really reach out to the members to make sure that they're, you know, of adhering to HEDIS measures and STAR measures, which is medic um, managed care terminology mm-hmm. um, that, so with managed care, they have what's called the STAR measures. So the STAR measures are used to basically make sure that you're hitting, you know, statin use, um, SUPD, all these, there's like five core measures that go into managed care that we as a health plan have to make sure that they're hitting each and every year. Oh, okay. Yeah. So at my, so I work, Currently, I work at CVS. I've worked mm-hmm. there since 2018 as a tech, and then I moved into an intern. And then um, just in March this year, I was hired at Leedsburg Hospital. So I was trained in MedRec there as well. So I do the, um, I work in the ED and I'll do like, you know, the admission MedRec. So I kind of, I'm on like the first end of it. And then you guys are working on the latter end of it. Right. So I totally understand what you mean about the closed loop communication, just because it's so easy to make errors and just overlook like what medications patients are taking because, you know, half the time, especially the population in Leesburg is just a lot of elderly, a lot of um, just, I don't even know how to describe <laughs> Leesburg. I feel like it's its own little world over there. So you, um, you're at, the you're at um, UF Leesburg, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so do, do you know um, Oscar Santalo? Yeah. He was <laughs> my priest. He was my preceptor over at Advent Health at the time that I was doing my oh rotations my there. So the next wow. time, you, next time you see him, tell him Xavier said hi and um, definitely ask him about me because we actually did a podcast. Um, his he has his own podcast that yeah. I was a guest speaker mm-hmm. on. So yeah, so small world. But as soon as you said you uh, have Health Leesburg, yeah, Oscar Santella was my my preceptor and. Yeah. Wow. It seems, honestly, it seems everyone knows him because I knew him from Advent in my first year. I knew he was over there. And then I know he just moved over to Leesburg. And then when I got hired there, everyone was like, oh yeah, Oscar's so great. And then I learned about his podcast too, but wow, I can't believe like you were on his podcast. That's yeah, so cool. He's awesome. He's, he's really, really, he's a really great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, really got really close to him and got to know him really well. His, he just had a newborn about two years ago. Yeah. yeah so got to meet his yeah. wife and everything. So yeah, he's a really, really great guy. And he helped me so much along the way when I was, you know, trying to apply for residency and getting me prepped for that. Right. And, um, you know, I've, I've had several opportunities to speak about, you know, the residency process and how to get a residency, because as a first generation college student, you know, not, e- not only going through college and then getting my PharmD, but even having to go through that whole process of getting ready for residency that is that is probably one of the most rigorous tasks that I've ever gone through. I mean, you talk about IB, you talk about NYP, you talk about mm-hmm. PharmD, but that residency, that's that's no joke. I mean, from the amount of money that you have to pay to even get the applications to right. how competitive each and every, you know, ranking your ranking your sites and trying to get in it's competitive. It's a dog eat dog world out there. And it's mm-hmm. it's really, you know, people don't tell you how competitive and how serious it is until you're sitting there for your residency interview and they are asking you the hard questions about literature and things that are just coming out on on the cutting edge and you're just like on the edge of your seat like (laughs) so you know so it's really really cool that Oscar took the time to 
break everything down for me. Keep, you know, keep it, you know how he is. He really breaks yeah. things down and keeps things simple. So when you do get, you know, when you do come into those moments, you're able to be calm, you're able to compose yourself and you're able to really be tight with your information. So, I mean, t- tell him, thank you again for everything. Yeah, <laughs> no, I definitely will. I mean, actually we just had our, um, we do like CTPs with the, all the interns. So it's just like a quarterly you know, kind of like, Hey, like, how are you doing? Like, how's, you know, just like a little catch up and just regarding like pharmacy school as well. So I actually had mine last week and we were talking about just like, he was like, Oh, like what's your dream job. And we kind of just went through and honestly, I didn't even know. And it was just nice to have him there to just help guide me. It's like, he's a really great mentor. So I could talk about him for hours. (laughs) He's so awesome. (laughs) I'm sure we all could. So that was, that was job number two. Job number three is of course, Publix pharmacy. So I didn't start at Publix. I actually started at CVS pharmacy. Um, So coming out of school, Um, And that's kind of where I was talking about before with the learning how to negotiate my salary. So -hmm. that was the first thing um, when I came out, of course, I was, you know, trying to get my first job, trying to get my feet wet. um, And I was a little bit um, hesitant to negotiate. I mean, I got my my offer, my first offer from CVS. And I said, okay, you know, I'm going to accept whatever it is that they give me. Um, Not knowing what the pharmacists around me make, not knowing what the market was. And that was, I mean, that was a mistake. looking back on it, I could have, you know, taken a step back and really have pushed for more or asked for more because you really don't know what you're worth until you ask. And that's probably the biggest thing. If you accept what somebody gives, you know, says that you're worth and you don't, you know, push forward or push back with, Hey, I have this experience. Hey, I've done this. Or, you know, you really put yourself out there. You have no idea what somebody is willing to pay for you. And that's, that's the biggest thing. If you, you know, a lot of people, it's an old saying, um, closed mouths don't get fed. That's, you know, that's what a lot of people say. Um, and if you don't open your mouth to even ask, or you don't open your mouth to even, you know, speak to your experiences or speak to what you've done, you, you're not, you're not going to get fed. You're not going right. to, you know, make the money that you want to make. So that was something that I had to learn at CVS. And I learned that pretty quickly. Um, I worked for CVS for three months. Um, and then I actually, while I was at CVS, I actually got approached by a manager at Publix. So one of my preceptors that I had had a rotation with over here in Orlando, um, she actually had reached out to the district manager and the district manager called me personally and said, Hey, you know, we want you to come over to Publix. We like what, you know, we've seen what you, what you've done on your rotation. And we've heard about you through CVS because at the time I was actually one of the pharmacists who piloted some of the first COVID-19 clinics in the Bavar County area. So Mm -hmm. I was actually running um, COVID-19 clinics by myself over in the Bavar County area. And I was one of the first pharmacists to administer the COVID-19 shot in Bavard. Wow. So yeah, that was a great experience. So that was, you know, going to stores and training other pharmacists on how to handle the Pfizer vaccine, the cooling temperatures, the process Mm -hmm. and procedures of adjudicating through HRSA, making sure that, you know, everything was up in Medicare Part B, like Mm -hmm. all of that had to be done. And we had to train pharmacists in order to be, you know, fast enough to adjudicate and get everything out of adjudication in order to get these shots out to, you know, to people. So that was a great experience. And because I was spearheading that and Publix knew that I, you know, like you said, it's a small world. So all Mm -hmm. it took was me spearheading that and, you know, them saying, okay, we see that this pharmacist is really leading the way on something. We need that kind of talent over here with our company. I got the phone call, 
And then, of course, that's when the negotiation process started back and forth between the two companies. And that's when I realized what I was truly worth was during that negotiation process. So it's a blessing that I was able to have that experience because that really opened my eyes to new grads such as yourself when you come through that you always have the opportunity to name your price if you, you know as long as you put yourself in an opportunity to gain the experience and have talking points mm-hmm. and things that you can talk about like even when I just talked to you about with the leading the COVID-19 flu uh, vaccine you know clinics mm-hmm. that's something that ph- some pharmacists haven't done you know mm-hmm. what I mean most pharmacists did it after it was you know after it was already established but to be the first to do something that's something that you can always talk about right yeah, absolutely. And just touching upon a little bit what you were mentioning earlier. So for someone that is a 2020 PharmD can- or graduate, how has the job job market been and how has it been for some of your colleagues of your graduating class? So this has actually been a, a, t- a touchy subject as of recently. Um, so a lot of pharmacists, um, it's kind of an unspoken word not to disclose your salary or talk about money. Um, me personally, I don't mind because it helps us as a you know, as a conglomerate to really know what the market is giving us. If we don't talk about it, then we'll never know what's out there or what's possible or, you know, even have any idea of if we're getting, you know, lowballed or anything. I mean, so it's kind of hard not to. um, And I know a lot of people, it may be taboo in certain aspects, but my classmates and I are pretty open about it. And because of that, we've actually been able to really help each other out and really help each other find good paying and you know, great jobs as well. Um, Mm -hmm. As far as the market, it's really, I mean, it's really all over the place. Um, I mean, I've seen salaries as low as $42 an hour, and then I've seen Costco pay up to $72 an hour. So that's a pretty, that's like a $30 difference. Right. And that's, that's pretty, that's a pretty wide gap. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, I mean, that's really what the market is looking like. It's really up to you to, to decide, you know, what's your worth? Like I, like I said before, you really have to go out there and put your best foot forward and speak to those experiences because if you make yourself valuable, they're going to, they're going to treat you like you're valuable. And, um, that's, that's the main thing, um, that I have to, you know, that I really want to bring home to you is that it's a really, a, a field of value right now. How much, how much value do you bring to the table? Because if you're just coming straight out of, you know, straight out of school with no kind of immunization experience, no kind of intern experience, no kind of clinical experience. It's not, it's not really going to bode well for you because I had two, two published articles when I came out of school. So both of them were U.S. pharmacists um, in the U.S. pharmacist article. And I was able to talk about those, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Those were two talking points and they're like, okay, wow, he's already published. He's done this, this, and this all my rotations were in the hospital at the time. So again, those are all things that made myself valuable. And, you know, especially when it came to the COVID-19, I already had immunizing experience because I've mm-hmm. I'd run flu clinics and other things like that before. So, and that's where that came into play to making me the, you know, the, the lead on developing that, that process. So. Right. Yeah. I just spent all day today. I, since I still work at CVS, I was there today, just immunizing people all day too. So like, I totally <laughs> understand Thank you for listening to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. If you enjoyed our episode today, please be sure to subscribe and look out for new episodes each week. Until next time.